Hello, everybody, and welcome to our very first online virtual Easter service. You know, I've been pastoring a lot of years, and I've never, never had to do this. But I guess I should say gotten to do this, even though I wish that you were all here. I miss you so much. Uh, Every time I get up here, it feels so strange to me because I'm staring out at a bunch of empty chairs. But I'm imagining you in your living room, in your office, uh, in your automobile. I hope you're not driving and watching this, but maybe listening instead. And I, I see you in my mind's eye. And I want you to know that we miss you so very much. And we're continuing to pray that very soon they will drop the quarantine and we'll be able to come together and I think that's just going to be an explosive service when we are first able to come back together again. I just think the worship is going to, is going to rock the house, and I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. But it is Resurrection Weekend, and I want to just call this message today Good News from the Graveyard. Good News from the Graveyard. And I want to read the Easter account, uh, the, the biblical account of what happened, what surrounded the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to begin in Matthew 27 and verse 57. And I would encourage you to get your Bibles and follow along. And let's just read. It says, when evening came. Now, this is the Bible is recording uh, after Jesus' death on the cross. That's, that's the context here. After Jesus had said, it is finished and gave up his spirit and died, the Bible says, when evening came, A rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, one of Jesus' followers, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Do you want me to back up on that? I'm going to start over. Is that okay? I'll do the greeting, but I'm going to start reading the text again. The Bible records that after Jesus' death on the cross, when evening came, a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph... One of Jesus' followers went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Now Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new rock-hewn tomb and rolled a great stone across the entrance as he left. And both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting nearby watching. So you got two Marys, Mary Magdalene, And the other Mary, we don't know which one exactly, but they were watching what was going down here nearby. Verse 62, the next day at the close of the first day of the Passover ceremonies, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate and they had a concern, listen to their concern, and told him, sir, that liar once said, after three days, I will come back to life again. So we request an order from you sealing the tomb until the third day to prevent his disciples from coming and stealing the body and then going and telling everybody he came back to life. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now, all four Gospels uh, tell us about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They all record it. But only Matthew tells us about the Roman government placing a squadron of soldiers at the tomb of Jesus to make sure the disciples didn't come at night 
and steal him away and then go start a fairy tale about how Jesus had risen from the dead. And so this is really an interesting thing that's happening here. Now, the great fear of the religious leaders is that somehow the disciples would pull this off. And so they said, command of the tomb. Pilate said, command of the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples come by night and steal them away. Pilate said, all right, I'm going to give you a guard of soldiers. I want you to go surround the tomb and watch over it. Now, let me just tell you how involved this was. The guard that Pilate commissioned consisted of four men who would go to the tomb and they would have three-hour shifts. Every three hours, it would be a new squadron of four soldiers, and they're posted around the tomb of Jesus for three full days. And the changing shifts, of course, assured that they were going to be healthy and alert and wouldn't go to sleep and would uh, be very aware of what was going on. And so we're told that when they got there, they not only surrounded the the tomb and watched over it, but they sealed the tomb. Now, this means that they wrapped like a string or a rope around it. Then they took some soft clay and they put the clay in the middle of that string or rope. Then they took the Roman insignia, which was generally on one of their rings, and they stamped the Roman insignia into that clay. Now, the soldiers knew that once that seal was on the tomb and it was fixed, that if it was broken during their watch, they lost their life. So I guarantee you they were watching this thing literally for their very life. Now, you got to look at this and you go, why were they doing all this? What was so uh, significant about the tomb? Well, they were doing it because Jesus Christ had said publicly uh, to the crowds and privately to his disciples They're going to one day kill me, but on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, you hear that and you say, what an amazing statement. What an incredible statement. Either somebody that says that is off their rocker, or they really are the Messiah, the Son of God, because that's the only person who could say such a thing. They're going to kill me, but I'm going to get up on the third day. I'm going to come back from the dead. Nobody comes back from the dead unless God is involved. For instance, Jesus said in Mark 8, verse 31, then he, Jesus, began to tell them, the disciples, about the terrible things he was going to suffer and that he would be rejected by the elders, rejected by the chief priests and the other Jewish leaders and be killed and that he would rise again from the dead three days later. Jesus said that. In Mark chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus was even more specific about his sufferings that he was going to experience. They will mock me, and they will spit on me, and they will flog me with their whips and kill me. But after three days, I will come back to life again. Now, Jesus said this, like I said, openly and to his disciples privately. So there was absolutely no denying that one of the major claims of Jesus is that he would rise from the dead after being killed. And so now we have the almost humorous sight of these big, burly Roman soldiers uh, posted at the tomb of a dead man to make sure that nobody comes 
uh, by night or any other way and steals the body away. So that was a very interesting sight, I'm sure, for three days and nights watching these Roman soldiers. Now, that said, think with me a minute. It's totally ridiculous to imagine that the disciples, who had all fled in dread terror when Jesus was arrested, and they were hiding behind closed doors. It's ludicrous to think that these 12 fearful, cowardly disciples approached the tomb in the dead of night, got past four Roman soldiers who were only there in three-hour shifts, who were very alert, very awake, broke the seal, the Roman seal, over the tomb, rolled back the huge boulder, and kidnapped the dead body of Jesus while the soldiers sat there and watched. That's absurd. That's crazy. It didn't happen. The Bible tells us what actually did happen. Matthew 28, verse 2 says this, Suddenly... There was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on the stone. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. The guards, those Roman guards, sitting there in three-hour shifts, very alert, very awake, it says the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women who had come to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, having no idea that he was going to be risen from the dead. The angel said to these women, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just like he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. So even the angel knew that Jesus had testified he was going to rise from the dead because he said, He is risen just as he said, just as he predicted that he would. So by the supernatural power of God, Jesus was raised from the dead. He wasn't kidnapped away, stolen away in the dead of night by fearful disciples. No way. Under the eyes of the Roman guards, no way. An angel came. An earthquake followed the appearance of the angel. The stone was rolled away. Jesus stepped out of the tomb, raised from the dead. That's the testimony of the Bible. That's the testimony of Scripture. That's what Easter is all about. It's not about an Easter bunny, Easter eggs, seeing somebody's new suit or new dress in church and and just kind of having a religious holiday. That's not what it is. No, Easter is all about Jesus Christ was as dead as any man could be dead. But on the third day, early in the morning, an angel came. And the Holy Spirit himself went into that tomb and quickened the dead body of Jesus. And Jesus got up from the dead as he said he would and walked out into the uh, early morning sunshine on that first Easter morn. That's why I've called this message good news from the graveyard because graveyards are usually places of sorrow and loss and tears and all of that. But the empty tomb of Jesus is a place of victory and joy and good news. It's truly good news from the graveyard. But now, some have asked, and I've read these questions, and I've had people ask me themselves about this, people who are not Christians. They say, say, what's the big deal? How does this story matter to me? It happened 2,000 years ago. How does it matter to me today? How is it relevant to me, this thing that 
happened on the other side of the world so long ago, and some people happen to believe in it? Why does it matter? How is it relevant to me today? I mean, we're in the middle of a terrible plague, right? The economy is in deep trouble. Many have lost their jobs. Many more are being evicted from their houses or their apartments. It's tough times. And on top of that, I read just recently that earthquakes and even a locust plague is happening in, in, in another part of the world, a major invasion of locusts. Earthquakes happening in strange places over and over again. And violent storms are actually striking America uh, on this Easter weekend. So people say, how does this matter? With all this going on, how does the story of Jesus getting up from the dead matter to me? Well, I'm going to give you a top reason why the resurrection of Jesus matters to us all. Here it is. The resurrection of Jesus proved that Jesus was who he said he was. I want to say that again. The resurrection of Jesus validates, it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be. You see, Jesus did a lot of things. We're told that he raised the dead. We're told that he healed the sick, opened blind eyes, unstopped deaf ears, walked on the water, did many incredible miracles. But you know what? The grand finale of Jesus' life was his resurrection from the dead. That was the grand finale, the greatest miracle of all, that Jesus, the miracle worker, literally got up from the dead. Have you just stopped and thought about that? Have you rolled that over in your head? They were talking about somebody who was hung on a cross, who died, who was taken down from that cross, who was laid in a tomb, who was wrapped in grave clothes, and three days later, he breathed again, sat up, stood up, walked out of the tomb, alive and well, resurrected from the dead. Think about that. Let it sink in. Since he had promised that God would raise him from the dead, his entire ministry rode on whether or not that happened. If Jesus had not been resurrected, then everything else that he had claimed and everything else that he had taught and done would have been immediately invalidated, immediately nullified. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, then everything that he had said faded into the background and he was just another religious teacher who really, frankly, happened to be a little bit off his rocker. And you see, if Jesus had not been resurrected from the dead, it matters so much because our eternal future rode on whether or not and rides today on whether or not Jesus got up from the dead. Take this statement that Jesus said, for instance, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me, now listen to this statement, he who believes in me will live even if he dies. Now, most of you are believers, and, and so you're familiar with that verse, but I think we have some who are perhaps skeptical or maybe even uh, openly non-Christian. And so I want to speak to everybody about this now. I'm addressing every category of person watching. Jesus said of himself, I am, not I know about, not I, let me teach you about, but I am myself 
in my person, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And whoever believes on me, though he were dead, though he dies, yet shall he live. So Jesus promised that believing in him, trusting him as your savior, turning your faith towards him to forgive your sins would bring literally eternal life. Who else in the world could say such a thing? Nobody that I know of, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Confucius, not any other world religious leader in all the history of the world ever said anything like that. If you believe in me, then though you die, you will still live. You know how? Because I am the resurrection and I am the life. So watch this now. If even he then did not rise from the dead, then how would anybody else placing their faith in him rise from the dead as well? If Jesus was not resurrected, then what hope do any of us have? So if he had not gotten up from the dead, then that promise, that claim would have immediately been nullified. Here's another one. I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Watch this. Nobody, no one comes to the Father but through me. If you want to get to God, you've got to go through me. If you want to know the Heavenly Father, you've got to go through me. If you want to get to heaven, Jesus said, you've got to go through me. He's the door. He's the way. The way where? the way to heaven. He's the way to God. Jesus said that about himself. So he's claiming that it takes placing faith in him. It makes it absolutely necessary. And if if you want to get to heaven, if you want to go to heaven, placing faith in him is crucial. It's necessary. You'll never get there without it. So if he had not risen as he promised, this statement would have really been a cruel joke because there were a lot of people following him and already placed their faith in him. He had 12 disciples that had left everything and followed him wherever he went. They had left home, hearth, family, friends, familiar surroundings to follow him. And if he had not risen from the dead, then they had been following a cruel joke for three years. It would have proven if he had not risen from the dead that he wasn't the way anywhere. So it was so necessary. Now, here's a big one. This might even be the biggest one of all. Jesus had also said, for God so loved the world. We all know this verse, but listen carefully to what it says. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, there's the promise again. If I believe in him, I have everlasting life. But I want to pull back a little bit further in the verse and look at what he said about himself. Jesus spoke John 3, 16. These are his words. And he said, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, speaking of himself. And the word begotten really matters here because it comes from a Greek word that means the one and only or one of a kind or the only one of its kind. So Jesus is telling us there's no one like me, not anyone, ever. My immaculate conception in Mary's womb, this is what Jesus was saying, my immaculate conception in Mary's womb by the power of the Holy Spirit was the only conception of its kind, one of a kind, the only one of its kind. 
God so loved the world, he gave his only one of a kind, begotten son of God. It never happened before, and it will never happen again. Never again will a woman be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and a baby conceived in her womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm the only begotten son of God. But if he had not risen from the dead, all of these claims he made about himself were only the ramblings of a very badly deluded man and his followers were terribly deceived. But the Bible goes on to say, he did rise from the dead. Paul wrote, But now Christ is risen from the dead. Now listen to Paul's testimony as he goes on. Listen to this carefully because now we're going to hear about how people saw the risen Christ. Paul said, I pass on to you right from the first what had been told to me, that Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said he would. And he was buried. And after three days afterwards, he arose from the grave, just as the prophets foretold. So the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus had all been prophesied by the prophets of the Old Testament over and over and over again. And it was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 5, he was seen by Peter. And later he was seen by the rest of the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 Christian brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive and can attest to what I'm telling you, Paul said. Then James saw him. Later, all the apostles saw him. And then Paul says, last of all, I saw him too long after the others. He was seen by Peter, seen by James, seen by the apostles, seen by 500 others, seen by Paul. A a, a man that had been dead was seen by all of these people, testified that they had seen him. They told others, I saw him. He walked into rooms where they were and ate with them, talked with them, encouraged them. And they were completely and totally assured that Jesus was risen from the dead. That's the crux and core of Christianity. If there's no resurrection of Jesus, there is no Christianity. But Jesus is risen from the dead. So so what does his resurrection tell us? His resurrection proved that he was the only begotten son of God, the one of a kind son of God, just like he said. It proved that he is the way and the truth and the life and the only way to get to heaven. It proved that he is the one and only way to heaven. It proved that he can and does give eternal life to those who place their faith in him. It proved that one day soon he will return to earth just like he said, because the same Jesus who said, I'm going to come back from the dead, I'm going to rise again, that Jesus said, after I've risen again and gone back to the Father, one day I will return. The same Jesus who told the truth about his resurrection also told the truth about his return. And he will one day return and rule the world as King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's why we can say with the song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he got up from the grave all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life 
is worth the living just because he lives. You ought to give the Lord a clap offering right there in your living room and thank him that he's the resurrected king of kings and Lord of lords. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. We can face the future no matter how dark it gets on this planet because Jesus got up. When Jesus got up, hope got up. When Jesus got up, faith got up. When Jesus got up, healing got up. When Jesus got up, deliverance got up. When Jesus arose again from the dead, then great light split the night, the light of his truth, the light of his love, the light of his glory. And because Jesus got up, we also will one day rise from the dead when he calls us out of the grave because we will not all sleep, but we shall be changed, the Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump. The dead in Christ will rise first, and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, resurrected to meet the Lord in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, because he was resurrected, we too have the hope of a future resurrection, that is, those who place their faith in him. So I want to close by giving you some assurances on this resurrection weekend. Are you ready? First, because he lives, dark days won't last. I'm going to say that again, because he lives. Dark days may be here, weeping may endure for a night, but it won't last because he is risen. You know, it was a dark day when Jesus was led down the road, carrying his cross while the crowds yelled and cursed at him and blasphemed his name. It was a dark day when they laid him on the cross and took those cruel spikes and nailed his hands and his feet to that tree for you and me. It was a dark day, literally, when darkness fell over the entire earth from high noon till three in the afternoon as if it were midnight as Jesus hung there on that cross. But you know what? Though it was a dark day, Sunday was just around the corner. Easter was just around the corner. And then when Jesus got up, the dark night was turned today because he lives. Dark days won't last. You may be going through a great trial right now, but if you're his and he is yours, dark days won't last because the resurrection and the life and the way and the truth, Jesus lives in your life. And he has promised us in the word of God that he'll take even the worst things of life and work them for our good because we're called according to his purpose. Now, a second assurance is that because he lives, nothing is impossible with God. Because you see somebody getting up from the grave, tell me a greater miracle than that. The power of God got Jesus up from the tomb. He stood up and he was resurrected evermore. And right now he's at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for you and me. So because he lives, then nothing is impossible with God in your life or mine. If he can raise Jesus up, then he can also pull you out of your trouble, pull you out of your despair. And even if circumstances don't change, he is still able to give you joy in the middle of the sorrow peace in the middle of the storm. Because he lives, anything is possible with God. Because the very same power that got Jesus up from the grave 
That same power lives in every believer through the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen, Satan never checkmates God in the lives of God's children. So nothing is impossible with God. It may be a dark day in your life right now, but listen, God can change things on a dime, and he often does. The word suddenly precedes so many of the miracles of God in the Bible. Who knows? Today might be a suddenly in your life where God suddenly changes things on your behalf, changes things by his power. And the final assurance I want to give you is because he lives, better days are coming. When we get past this present grief, and it is a grief, we are in a grief right now, nationally and internationally, and we get past the pain of it. When we get past these hard times, and this is just a bad memory, we know that better days are coming because it couldn't have looked worse when Jesus died on that cross. All of his followers had fled. The crowd that had been with him and had had lauded him and praised him just days earlier as he entered Jerusalem on a donkey had now turned on him. He was dying like a common criminal in between two thieves. They took him down from the cross and laid him in a borrowed tomb, and it looked like it was over with for Jesus. But now that tomb is empty. That tomb is empty because of the power of God and because Jesus was who he claimed to be. And so it brings us good news from the graveyard. He is risen. And because Jesus lives, we can know that better days are coming. If nothing else, someday soon he's going to return. And I guarantee you better days are coming then because our Lord and Savior will come back and rule the earth with a scepter of righteousness. And the Bible says there will be war no more and he will usher in a great age of peace. And that is our hope. And we believe it because he said it. So dark days won't last. Nothing is impossible with God. And better days are coming because he lives. Now I want to ask you a question today. How close is God to you right now? How close is God to you right now? You might say, well, Jeff, I really don't know the answer to that. Well, let me, let me give you an answer. Here's how close God is to you right now. He's as close as a prayer. That's how close God is. He's as close as a prayer. He's very close. You see, all that God asks of us is that we come to him, and we come to him by faith. And how do we do that? We do that by prayer. Maybe you're struggling right now with fear and uncertainty because of the times we're living in the coronavirus. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. He's still as close as a prayer. A prayer like this, Jesus, help me. Doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. Doesn't have to be a, an, you know, an educated or a scholastic kind of prayer. It doesn't have to be a well-thought-out prayer. Sometimes the most powerful prayers are simply, Jesus, help me. How close is he to you? He's as close as a prayer. Maybe you used to walk closely with the Lord, but somewhere along the way you drifted away and you got far from him. 
I want to tell you as well, he's as close as a prayer. Maybe you've never really given your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've never really known him. Maybe you've never looked up and said, Jesus, you know what? I am a sinner and I need you to forgive me of my sins against God because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, all of us. There is none righteous, no, not one. We've all gone aside. We've all turned astray. We've all gone our own way. And that's why God had to lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all as he hung on that cross. And so you've never called on him. Let me tell you, he's as close as a prayer. I remember when I came to Christ as a 16-year-old boy, I was in a lot of trouble. I was in juvenile detention center. I was looking at maybe having to go to prison because I had been involved in drugs and I got arrested for drugs and it wasn't looking good for me. And I had never, ever in my life prayed and I had never heard about Jesus. Nobody ever told me God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever puts their faith in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Nobody had ever told me that until I got into juvenile home. But when I heard the gospel in juvenile detention center with about 50 other guys in the same room with me, something happened to me. It, It grabbed my heart. It began to speak to me. And I began to think like this. If I'm going in front of a judge and he only knows a thimble full of the things I've done wrong, And I'm in trouble for that. But the God that I just heard about knows everything I ever did. And I'm going to have to answer for that one day. And yet I just heard about a Savior who died for me, who could save me and forgive me and give me a new life. Now, you've got to understand, by this time in my life, I have been to psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, So many people had tried to help me because I was a very troubled teenage boy. But nothing worked because nothing could work because I was in bondage to sin as is the entire human race. And so I prayed that night. I didn't know how to pray a fancy prayer. I prayed a simple prayer, a prayer that I want to pray with you right now. I want to first pray with those who need Jesus. And then we're going to pray together that God will give us peace this Easter weekend in the middle of this terrible storm we're experiencing nationally. But listen carefully to me. If you've never known Jesus, you can do it now, right now. What a great time to do it, Easter weekend. You could always look back and say, that's my spiritual birthday, Easter weekend 2020. We're going to say a simple prayer because how close is God to you? He's as close as a prayer. And I'm going to lead you in a simple one now. I want to ask you to bow your head with me. Go ahead and do it. If you're in a living room with other people, that's okay. Don't even think about them. Think about you and him right now. And just bow your head in prayer and mean it as I pray. Now we're looking at Jesus. We're asking Jesus to hear us. So let's pray. Just say, Lord Jesus. Go ahead and do it right where you are. Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me because I was a sinner and I have sinned against God. I'm asking you to forgive me my many sins and come into my heart as Savior and Lord. I place my faith in you 
I believe you're the Savior of the world, the resurrected Messiah. Jesus, I receive you right now. Come into my heart as Savior and Lord and guide and direct my life from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I rejoice with you, and I want you to do something. You're already on our website because you're watching this this, uh, service. So I want you to scroll down, and you'll see some buttons at the bottom of the page. One of them says salvation. Click that salvation button, and there's a little simple thing for you to fill out. We want to know who you are. We want to pray for you. And more importantly, we want to send some materials to you that will help you in your Christian walk. So just take the the trouble. It's no big deal. It's very easy. Just scroll down, click that button, and fill it out. Now, the rest of you, I want to pray with you because I understand this Easter is is unique. Uh, It's unlike any we've ever experienced. And I want to pray for God's peace to cover you and his comfort to fill you and, and, and that you will know deep down in your knower, dark days won't last. God's got it. So let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, we just come to you. And Lord, I pray for the people of God, not only our church members, but many that are watching that are not our church members. Uh, Lord, I pray for your comfort. We pray for your peace. We pray that you would come into our, uh, into our living room, into our house, into our car, into our office, wherever we are. We will sense the presence of God. And Lord, we just cast onto you our worries and our concerns. And we cast onto you, Lord, our griefs and our sorrows. We cast onto you, Lord, our predicament, our, our context, our situation, our circumstances. And we trust the, the same God that raised Jesus from the dead is able to raise me up out of this and carry me to the other side of this valley. And so, Lord, we place our trust in you and we call out on you and we thank you that you're as close as a prayer and you're here right now. And, Lord, I just pray that your presence flood their room, their living room, bedroom, study, their life, their soul. And that peace would cover them like a beautiful blanket. Thank you, Lord. We praise you that you are risen. And because you live, we can face tomorrow. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us this resurrection weekend. And uh, listen, let's continue to pray that soon this quarantine is lifted and we're going to be able to come together again. In the meantime, as soon as we go off the air, I want you to say he is risen. Have a moment of praise and thank him that he is the resurrected Messiah. And because he lives, God's got it. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We love you. We miss you. We will see you soon.